The 2024 Commodity Classic is hitting full stride, and we are in high gear to keep up with what is happening in the world of soy. We are talking market development and the priorities of the United Soybean Board and how partnerships with ASA and USAC are helping to advance the goals of the entire industry. Live from Leap Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we sail the seas of soy with a cast of several soy seers. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Glory. All right, Davis. Hey, buddy. Welcome to Houston. How's things going? Oh, really, really great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. Things Things are moving along very nicely down here at Houston mm-hmm. at the Commodity Classic as well. Big thank you. Big thank you to the United Soybean Board for making our coverage from Commodity Classic possible. You can learn more about USB and the investments that you are making in the future of the soybean industry at www.unitedsoybean.org. Dude, we've got yeah. an incredible lineup. We've got <laughs> well, the leadership yeah. of ASA, USEC, USB. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's um, We're going to talk priorities. We're going to talk partnerships. We're going to talk market development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, we sail the seas of soy with a cast of several soy seers. That's as close as I could get. I mean, I'm not going to list them all out here because we've got some heavy hitters, and I didn't want to miss anybody. This is going to be a great show, dude. That's exactly right. Um, I was pretty impressed with that open there, by the way. I, you like I, that one? You like that? It's not. It's not that often that I that I have to drop just a blatant compliment your way. Oh well, but thank it, you. That, that was very good. Very I did good. work on it a little bit. Yeah, there were revisions and stuff along the way. It's been a journey, Chip. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. I'll bet there's revisions right up to the last second on something Indeed. like that, dude. Indeed. Yep, yep. Um, it's an in it, it, it's it, it's just fun to be around people that are are looking to do something. Yeah. That will influence the future of their industry in a positive way. Man, I love that. And as we sit here at uh, USB and talk about all the plans, talk about all the initiatives, talk about all of the farmer-based efforts that are underway, like I said, to have that positive influence on the future that that uh, of the industry that they're all involved in, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic to be part of it, dude. Well, I can't wait to hear what they've got to say today. You bet. All right, let's go ahead and get things started with the news. What do you got? We'll start with the National Weather Service weather outlook. Heavy snow over parts of the Cascades, the northern Intermountain region, northern Rockies, northern California, and Sierra Nevada mountains. Heavy lake effect snow southeast of Lake Ontario and over the upper Great Lakes. Rain from the Gulf Coast to parts of northern mid-Atlantic and uh, shower and thunderstorms along the central Gulf Coast in uh, central Gulf Coast and the southeast. And Chip, yeah. uh, this is kind of a thing here. A sudden shift of wind direction in the Texas Panhandle this week contributed to the explosion in size of the Smokehouse Creek wildfire, which has burned yeah. at least 850,000 acres in Texas and another 31,000 acres in Oklahoma. Now the second largest fire in Texas state history, exceeding the size of the state of Rhode Island, Chip. The blaze is mm-hmm. still just 3% contained, according to State Forest Services, Chip. And they are trying to figure out just exactly what the death loss is on the on the, on the beef cow herd. Um, it, it, 
some of the initial thoughts coming out of Sid Miller's office, commissioner of ag down in Texas, and we're working to get things confirmed and tried to figure out exactly what is going on. But, uh, uh, it's big numbers, big yeah. numbers that we're talking about is as far as, uh, devastation to that beef herd. Well, in January 2024, the personal consumption expenditure price index in the U.S. rose compared to the previous month, meeting market expectations and following a downwardly revised increase in December. This increase was driven by a rise in prices for services, while prices for goods decreased. The annual rate of PCE inflation slowed to 2.4%. Chip, that's the lowest since February 2021. Yeah. You know, it. it we're, we're starting to get some conflicting data now. Some with some really positive economic indicators, some not so positive. It's got to be a tough balancing act for the Fed trying to figure out what to do with interest. Well, Chip, Bitcoin is surging toward its all-time high and racking up its biggest monthly gain since December 2020. The latest bull run, which saw Bitcoin's market cap jump to a staggering $1.23 trillion over the past 24 hours, has been fueled by several factors, including the spot Bitcoin ETF boom that opened the door for mainstream investors. Yeah, do you know why it's rallying? Uh, because people keep buying it. That's pretty much it. That's pretty <laughs> much it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Lawmakers reached a short-term spending agreement. Maybe this is why Bitcoin's so excited. A short-term sure. spending agreement to prevent a government shutdown extending funding until March 8 for six agencies, including USDA. Both chambers still need to vote on the proposal, which would be the fourth stopgap spending measure passed for fiscal year 2024. Kicking it down the road, Chip. Another seven days, apparently. Yep. That's right. That rattling that you hear is a can rolling down the street. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, longtime top Senate Republican, yep. announced on Wednesday he'll step down as the party's leader at the end of the year. Citing differences in national security views with the party, he says now led by former President Donald Trump. McConnell said he will serve out the rest of his Senate term through 2026. Got it. And finally, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin issued a stark warning to NATO, cautioning that any deployment of troops to aid Ukraine could escalate into nuclear conflict. Chip. Wow. Good yeah. grief. Talk about a, a, another warning that we need to pay attention to there. Thank you, Davis. Appreciate you it, bet. buddy. You bet. All right. Let's bring in Greg Henderson, editorial director of Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Well, I'm doing well until I heard that last comment, but uh, yeah. maybe we can go on. Yeah, let, let's move forward from there. <laughs> talk, talk about this calf supply to me, Greg. We, yeah, well, we we've know been talking not, about... Wow. We've been talking about these numbers, Chip, and, and for the cattle industry, it, it, it just keeps spinning. Uh, you know, we've got that January 1 estimate of feeder cattle supplies, 24.2 million head. That's down 4.5% over last year. Lowest number for that since 1972. And that current in, uh, feedlot inventory is a record 59.6% of those supplies. Yeah. What that's telling us is that we've got a lot of those cattle already on feed. And that uh, another way to say that is it means there's just 1.68 feeder cattle out there for every head of animals on feed. So right. all of these numbers are telling us that this supply is tight and it's only going to get tighter. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, that's good for feeder cattle producers that have something to sell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it, that's relevant in the uh, profit tracker. We saw this week, uh, those uh, 
the those feeder cattle are up 24% from last year. So yeah. the total cost of finishing a steer is $423 a head higher than it was last year, Chip. Most of that wow. is most of that is the feeder cattle price. Conversely, it's uh, $220 cheaper. The feed is that much cheaper than it was last year. Yep. That's because we, we've got $4, $4 corn or thereabouts. Yeah. In the last drought, 2013, is that when corn hit $8? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is a really strange uh, yeah. setup we've got going here, but the numbers are going to get tighter and it's going to last longer than we expected. Exactly. Still got some tightness to factor in here. Great stuff, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. That's Greg Henderson, Editorial Director of Drovers. We are live at USB at Commodity Classic. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. We are live at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. Glad that you could be with us today, and I'm very happy to let you know that today's show is sponsored by the United Soybean Board. Thank you so much to USB for making coverage down here at Commodity Classic possible. And there is so much going on in the world of soy. Uh, you know, usually on these uh, sponsored shows, we'll have some industry spotlights throughout the way. But uh, today, it, it is an industry spotlight because we're going to be talking about everything soy. And I've kind of got a co-host. I've got a co-host ready to go with us. Steve Reinhardt he is the chair of USB. Steve, welcome to AgriTalk, man. It's good uh, to see you. Thanks, Chip. It's great to be here and great to have you in the booth and, and get yeah. to go and, and tell our story. So. You bet. You bet. Yeah, Steve's going to be with us for the entire morning show here. We've also got Josh Gackle. He is the president of the American Soybean Association. Congratulations, Josh. Thank you, Chip. It's good to be here and uh, good to be with the group here from the U.S. Soy family. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a partnership that we've got sitting you around bet. the table you right bet. here, isn't it? And talking about the partnership, let's round it out. Lance Rezac, he is the new chairman of the U.S. Soy Export Council. And when I say new chairman, I mean, we're like 36 hours yeah, in I, here. I got to get 36 hours under my belt. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Think, I think things will be starting to change now. No. <laughs> yeah, watch the way it's going to yeah. be happening. Maybe not good. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank what you. made you uh, pursue this? I tell you, it really, it was just kind of fate. Uh, I've always been so interested in soy and and with these volunteer farmers around us here, uh, I just kind of got started on the soy path. And along the way, I ended up going, holy cow, I think I'm going to be chairman of USAC. Yeah. <laughs> and so the opportunities, it's just a, unlimited opportunities with that as far as promoting our U.S. soy all around the world, all our buyers. Okay. You're excited about it. I mean, I can see oh, yeah. it. I can see that you're excited about why? What what is it about USEC? Because you know between ASA and USEC and USB, there's three very distinct 
separate jobs that need to be done. But if you're not coordinating, you're working against each other. And, and so what's got you so excited about uh, about the new role? Well, of course, USAC, it's, it's a combination of ASA and USB. They formed yep. it. And so there's four farmers from each board that are on this board, along with exporters and allied industry. And so uh, so so we are the culmination of, of their of what, of what they want to do with exports and stuff. And so and we export 60 percent of our soybeans in the U.S. And if you add in what we feed to animals is 65 or 6 percent. Yeah. So, so exports are so, so, so huge. And, and we don't want to be the low cost leader. We're not, we were in Brazil. They're going to do the low cost mass volume leading. We have to have, you know, uh, uh, go highlight our sustainability, our quality. We're not deforesting things. We need to get our message out to all these other countries. And surprisingly, even in some of these poor countries that you wouldn't think would even care about sustainability, they do. The whole world is really getting interested in sustainability. So we got to get those messages out for the U.S. farmers and uh, try to keep our exports up uh, and, and promote our quality that we yeah. have. Yeah, your job is changing. It uh, is changing. It, it very dra- yeah. dramatically because of changes that are happening in the industry, yeah, right? More important than ever. Because it used to be, you know, U.S. was the soy leader. You yeah. know, we had them, you know, and and then Brazil passes three or four years ago, and they're adding so many acres each year, about 5 million acres a year. They get two crops yeah. off those acres. That's, it's substantial. Yeah. And they, so I've seen one report they'd like to add 10 million acres a year. Yeah. So, you know, our our job is, is getting our message out about the U.S. soy is, is more important than ever right now. You know, the sustainability angle is something that's always in the back of my mind, Lance. But now that you bring it up, my goodness, it's one of those things that could be a a competitive advantage, at least in some markets going forward. It, it is. And like I said, it's surprisingly how many markets it is. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the, we have a sustainable soy sustainability assurance protocol and actually 70% of the beans shipped out of the U S where it gets a certificate that goes with them. 70% of the customers requested that certification to go with them. And so their customers can put that label on their, on their soy products that they're selling, cool. or even we have fed with us soy now. So if you're growing fish or poultry, you can with sustainable. You can put that label on your fish or poultry fed with sustainable U.S. soy. Surprisingly important all around the world. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I We're, think Chip. I think we have over a thousand uh, different uh, products overseas that are actually using a U.S. sustainability mark, and and some of those things get shipped back into the U.S. But then that's a way too that they can distinguish their product once they get that product yeah. uh, fed or made with that sustainable U.S. soy. Very cool thousand products out there josh what's his part what what's it like to be part of a team where you've got you know workhorses pulling in the same direction right. well I, you know farmers on these boards are committed to working with yeah. each other we we visit very often even if we're not together at commodity classic you know we're talking we're calling each other we're texting um it's just a it's great to work with lance and with steve um just excellent leaders of their organizations you know asa's focus of course is advocacy and policy in DC. We work on Capitol Hill, working with Congress, uh, House and Senate, trying to trying to move those policy issues that will profit farmers back on their farms. But the partnership with USB and USEC is uh, what's important in driving demand around the world, like yeah. both Steve and Lance have mentioned. So it's a combination of the policy work that we do um, and with the uh, with USB working on demand, uh, funding demand and new research and new products. And then partnership with ASA and USB coming together several years ago, recognizing the need for a devoted organization to building demand around the world and the creation of USEC. Yeah. What an exciting time for the biofuel side of your industry, yeah. Josh. 
dude, this feels like 2005, 2007 for kind of does, yeah. Well, with all the new crush capacity that's yeah. coming online in the U.S. and uh, the industry seeing the need for more renewable fuels, um, driving that renewable diesel demand, that's one part of it. But the huge potential in the area of aviation and yeah. sustainable aviation fuel, I think that's just uh, we're going to see some news this week, I think, with the uh, announcement from EPA and USDA that put some more specific uh, numbers into the into yeah. what's going to qualify as feedstock and the tax credits and policy uh, inputs that will that will provide a, a bigger market for SAF. So we're going to see that maybe tomorrow there's going to yeah. be s- some news on that. And that's, that's really ex- exciting. Expectation. I think it you know, provides just a huge opportunity there for U.S. farmers, and we're ready to meet that. Yeah, and ASA has been working really, really hard to help the decision makers understand just what is it at play in this. Absolutely, yeah. Working closely with not just, uh, uh, not just with Congress, but with the regulatory agencies as well. So, yeah. con- you know, continual communication with USDA and EPA on how the feedstock that we provide, the, the renewable oil that we provide is going to be able to to meet that need. Yeah. Another way, Chip, we can work together with ASA and USEC is once that oil, that bean gets tr- crushed for the oil, we have the meal to export. And uh, we did a study and and tried to look at the Port of Grays Harbor and how mm-hmm. we can continue to get more meal out of the Port of Grays Harbor. And, and they were able to help secure some funding through ASA and and USAC's working on some great uh, Asian markets to get that meal moved. Yeah, yeah. Doubling up capacity out there at Port of Grace. Yeah. It's it's a little ways away from, from you know, being able to load a boat over there. But it it, it all takes time. And it sometimes it feels like it's, it's, some of the marketplace are losing patience in the development of the crush capacity and the development of the exports. But it takes time. These are huge projects, Steve. Huge projects. And it's good to have partners like ASA and USEC to work with us and, and get those done. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got to ask, Lance, if you're new to the job, but you've got to have some thoughts about if if one year from right now, I want what to be different at USEC? Well, I, I'm not tweaking much. It, okay. it, yeah. it, it does a phenomenal job along the way. We got to keep looking at diversification of markets. So China, China buys 60% of all the beans and bean meal that are traded in the in the world. Yeah. They take 60% of it. So almost two thirds of it goes to China. The other third goes to the rest of the world. We got to keep developing these other markets. And and we've been doing a lot of, a lot of uh, I say, market development work all around the world. We work with WISH, which is yeah. with ASA and uh, and the so more I learned about Wish, the more impressed oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I was in Cambodia, and they were teaching people how to do the in-pond raceways, small version, just to teach them how to feed fish, so yeah. they can feed feed the population. There's so many people that are so poor in this world. As quick as they get some money, they want they want protein, you yeah. know. And so we're doing a lot of work in a lot of these countries. You got to look at what the next one's going to be. We got these soy excellence centers now and then we have a couple in countries that don't even buy any beans or yeah. meal nigeria and india but india largest population on the earth most of them are yeah. still vegetarian but as they get money they're going to want some meat and so uh years ago they exported soybean meal they had a little window where they actually imported some yeah. i mean we're not over in india telling the government anything but we're working with poultry producers trying to get solutions to their feed and, right. and have availability and so uh 
Yeah. Yeah. And then Nigeria is going to, they think will be the third largest. Country. Oh, the African, the African yeah. market. Africa is going to be huge. The potential there is unbelievable. And, and so we got to keep working all these. So hopefully my kids will have a good market yep. for their soy. Exactly. Yeah, 15 seconds. Honestly, Josh, 15, 15 seconds. seconds. Okay. Farm bill. Can we get one in 2024? I think we can. I think okay. uh, it gets a little more complicated the later we get in the year. So just urging the chairs of the House and Senate committees to move something quickly here uh, early in the year. Yeah, complicated yep, at the end is. of the year. I think yep. that's a, a, a safe assumption <laughs> right. that things are going to get more complicated. You guys, it's a great team. Thank you so much for being part of the, the show today. Josh Gackle, ASA, Lance Rezac, USAC, and Steve Reinhardt's going to stick around here at USB. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady, Beach. That's a mixed trade going on in the greens. What's happening? Yeah, actually, uh, mostly firmer here at mid-morning, Chip. Okay. And, and uh, you know, soybeans face some pretty heavy selling early on. Uh, today is the, the start of the delivery period for March contracts. And uh, soybean deliveries were heavier than what was anticipated, which which put some initial pressure on the market. But uh, uh, soybean or uh, corn bounced back, uh, the meal market bounced back and, and trading higher. And, and that's pulled uh, soybeans off their lows and a little bit higher for the day here at mid-morning. So um, just seeing a, a general firmer tone, uh, wheat's participating to the upside as well. Feels like soybean meal market is the market to watch right now. Yeah, uh, you know, we've been focused on that one here lately, and, and yeah. I think that uh, um, when it's down, it, it has a tendency to weigh on markets, especially soybeans. Uh, but when it's up, uh, we see days like today, or at least here at mid-morning, yeah. where we see general price strength. Yeah. Yeah, just take some weight off the rest of the markets if we can get soybean meal to participate in some of the short covering in here. All right, take us over to the livestock trade. We've got some pressure on the cattle complex. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'd call moderate losses here at mid-morning in uh, live cattle futures uh, and then uh, heavy losses in, in feeders and, and just kind of rolling over from a technical perspective and, and uh, taking out some support levels. And, and uh, so that's causing the bulk of the pressure there. Um, still waiting on active cash cattle trade to develop. We'll see if the uh, the weakness in the futures has any impact on that or not. Um, but uh, generally expecting steady prices for the week. And then hog futures, uh, they're trading to the upside. Uh, the cash market, uh, the, the gains have slowed, uh, but they continue to rise. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, and we are live at the Commodity Classic down in Houston, Texas. Thank you so much to USB for making it possible for us to bring you coverage from commodity classic don't forget check it out uh at triple uh, w.unitedsoy.org 
All right. Let's uh, continue the conversation. Steve Reinhardt, the USB chair, is sticking with us as co-host here this morning. And uh, let's let's bring in Lucas into the conversation. Lucas Lynch is the CEO of USB. Lucas, it's good to see you. How are you? Chip, I'm doing well. It's great good. to be with you. Yeah, today. it's great to talk with you again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was shortly after you took the role that that I think we last had a conversation. Literally 12 weeks ago today, the board yeah. made the confirmation vote. And yeah, so it's been a busy 12 weeks, that's for sure. Well, it's been a busy 12 weeks, but let's let's do a little bit more of getting to know you, okay? Because <laughs> okay. it was a busy career leading up to this move over too. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your background. You know, just uh, real blessed. I uh, grew up on a family farm in South Dakota, yeah. studied agriculture at South Dakota State. Probably the most significant uh, leadership moments in my life have been serving our uh, military as a, a, a captain, as a commanding officer yeah. in Iraq for a period of time. And then about 15 years ago, got into state leadership, learning Department of Agriculture, ultimately served as Secretary of Ag in South Dakota. And eight years ago, got involved in checkoff on the dairy side, CEO yeah. at Midwest Dairy, and then served on the National Dairy Promotion as an executive vice president on the leadership team there. So it's been a sprint. <laughs> it, it, it has been. Yeah. It, it certainly has. And and, you know, after after the first conversation that we had, then, of course, you get more interested and you do a little bit more looking. And the fit, the, your fit into USB, I think, is about as hand in glove as as, as it can get, Lucas. You, you, yeah. it, the, the position seems made for you. Well, I would just say, first and foremost, uh, while it's a position that I get to hold, it's the it's the farmer's office. Uh, yeah. So being in the office of the CEO is really the farmer's voice in the marketplace on their behalf. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of uh, a fit chip, I, I I trust farmers and working for them is a fantastic place to be. Yeah. You know, I have a I have a pretty simple uh, mantra. I want to make sure that farmers are making plays and and frankly not getting played. And I think I can do that as CEO of of United Soybean Board. I love that. I love that. The, the not getting played. You got to be part of the conversation, don't you, Steve? Got to be part of the conversation. And we're uh, we're really happy with what we have in Lucas uh, right now. Yeah. And that's uh, the thing that, uh, you know, we really want somebody to come in and, and work with the farmers and visit with the farmers. And that's what Lucas has done firsthand through the first board meeting. Uh, uh, you know, everybody's been really happy and satisfied. He's worked with QSSBs. He's getting out to... Uh, uh, meet with our industry partners. And it's just, uh, you know, we're really happy and really uh, glad we're, we're able to hit the ground running and, and uh, just really excited about how much, you know, more we can elevate the USB uh, and what we can do. Right. Right. And uh, to, to me, Lucas, it's your understanding about what it takes to get a job done. And that is if, if USB was out on its own, trying to get these huge projects done to support the, the, the the U.S. soy industry, yep. it'd be uh, almost impossible to get it done single-handedly. Well, it's those partnerships. Yeah, it's absolutely the power of the collective. Yeah. You know, Steve mentioned the QSSBs, and for your listeners, that's really the qualified state soybean boards. That's the foundation of checkoff. Every farmer belongs to a local zip code first. That's the bedrock of promotion and research, and United Soybean Board really comes in on a national level to help the international and domestic efforts. And so partnership is critical, uh, but yeah, we have to punch above our weight each and every day. Right, right. When it comes to checkoff dollars, the the one thing that farmers want to know is, am I getting a return for the investment that I'm putting into it? Yeah. If they're getting a return, they're willing to make that investment. 
Talk to me about that. Yeah, you know, the expectation of putting dollars in and getting tens and twenties back is you know, nice. that, that better be the expectation <laughs> yeah. and that better be how we deliver. Uh, because it is about filling the pipeline of innovation, not just for supply, but also for demand. Uh, we have to be out there thinking about the needs of tomorrow. I like to look at it as a as a three-legged stool, and we're blessed in the soy space. It's not just about a soybean. We get to talk about animal agriculture. We get to talk yeah. about energy independence and renewable diesel. And then you throw in the middle of all that, the 1,000-plus innovations. You know, pretty much a petroleum-based product today is a soy opportunity tomorrow. Yeah. You, you, you threw the 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 livestock into it the u.s meat export federation another partner that that we should probably mention here because uh with every pound of beef with every pound of pork with every pound of poultry goes a little bit of soybean meal that's important to us absolutely yeah the majority of our soybean meal all goes to the animal agriculture sector and we work with uh Peak, which is a poultry and egg console and uh usmef which you just uh, uh mentioned and uh, we just, I just came back from Columbia on a mission and, and the uh, whole time we were there, we were eating U.S. beef and U.S. pork. So it's, uh, you know, a great way to export soybeans, yeah. uh, you know, through that meat. So, yeah, yeah, it certainly is. How is the, how is the focus of USB right now, uh, Lucas? Is it where you think it needs to be? You know, coming in from the outside, it's always nice to be a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. Uh, I have been blown away and quite impressed by the 77 volunteer board members, the farmer leaders from across the country. They put together a strategic plan three years ago. And frankly, Chip, they nailed it. Uh, it is something that's flexible. It's relevant for the here and now. Uh, you know, think about the infrastructure and connectivity. You know, we can raise a crop. Uh, we can yeah. we can be proud of that crop. But can we get it? To market can we get it to market efficiently and the research dollars when you're putting dollars on the table getting tens and 20s back the research on the mississippi locks and dams the ability to get the the product up the river and out you know and it, all of that is a, a huge part of what the investment of checkoff has been up to so staying relevant staying nimble uh, there's been three words that i've heard and that is transparency efficiency and accountability farmers demand it and they should expect every bit of that yeah cool Cool. Okay. It, last, last segment, the conversation that we were having, is sustainability came up. Sustainability, is, it's, it, it's not the eye roll that it used to get from farmers. I mean, it used to be just kind of like, oh, seriously, are we going to talk about it? Now the message, there, I think more farmers are more open to the message, and it's becoming part of U.S. soy's story compared to our competitors, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, becoming a bigger, bigger uh, deal. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, were panicked when we started talking about sustainability. And then they look back and, and some of the things they're doing, you know, we're, we're reducing soil erosion, we're using cover crops and increasing our water retention capacity. And uh, so all those things that we do uh, on our, our farms at home are really what the, the public is, is asking for. And, yeah. and we've really been kind of at the forefront of, of that. And and we continue to do it with technology by, um, you know, variable rating the fertilizer we're using and making sure it's getting to where it needs to be and not over applying in other areas. And and that's just another way that we can continue to to write that story. You know, and and it's telling a story that was it it's 
It's not like the, the what was happening on the farm has changed all that much. It's just telling the story about what is being done, right? Well, that's what they always said, right? We yeah. we, we can tell our story or somebody else is going to tell it for us. Exactly. And the beautiful part of it is the fact that the farmer has been there all along. And finally, the conversation's caught up to what's been happening over generations yeah. on the farm. Yeah, absolutely. Lucas, talk to me about investments. You know, the investments, if you think about uh, uh, the 2024 and beyond, you got to look to the energy space. Uh, You know, it's hard not to talk about sustainable aviation fuel and then start connecting the dots to what's next. Is it marine fuel? Is it uh, on the on the on the rail systems? You know, the engines that run these tracks, you know, think about how uh, road, rail, river. Uh, marine aviation, all of that's on the table for innovation in my book. Um, I love that energy independence, but it's also the fact that it's the chemistry. You know, what's the chemistry of of what we create? The the thousand plus consumer products that are out there. What's the innovation of tomorrow that's going to have exponential in scale uh, that brings value back? Because it's not just about volume; it's also value for the farmer and making sure the innovations ultimately answer both questions. Yeah. Yeah, when we get into the energy side of things, which is, I, I, I mean, the, that's where the investment's got to be. Sometimes it makes for some different partnerships than what we're used to in agriculture, yeah. because uh, the American Petroleum Institute, for an example, is is behind ASF, uh, it, or SAF, yeah. excuse me. Uh, so some different partnerships that we've got to be open to going forward. Yeah. You know, what got us here won't get us there. And that ability to just think differently, love the idea, the ideation that farmers bring to the table. You know, they, they, they do it every day. They're, they're the best innovators in the world. And they why wouldn't it be any different in the boardroom with the United Soybean Board? Farmers show up from across the country, they innovate and they bring practical ideas front and center. And to me, that's that's the farmer voice each and every day. And I trust it. Yeah. There's an investment in the future of soybeans that are happening from the energy side of things that I think should be exciting to every soybean farmer out there, right? Uh, I would sure think so. Steve, what do you think? Oh, I think there's uh, all kinds of things. I think one of the things that we're going to see here in a couple of weeks is uh, our soybean foam, uh, firefighting foam is made out of soybean meal. And uh, we've all heard the stories about the forever chemicals that are in the current foam that's used. And it's a a really a a hazard. Uh, So this is a great way for us to use soybean meal. Uh, and another great way for us to look at uh, sustainability and how we're helping that sustainability, uh, you know, message with a new product that, uh, again, is going to use that renewable. Yeah. Tr- you know, truly bringing soy solutions to every day in every way. Uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty fantastic. Yep. Lucas, it sounds like you're enjoying the role. Oh, uh, you know, to work for farmers is a dream come true. And to be a leader in an organization like this, the value that, uh, the farmers expose. They just don't talk about them. They live them each and every day. Yeah. It's great to be an American and working for an American farmer. Very cool. That's Lucas Lynch, the CEO of the United Soybean Board. Steve is going to stick around for this final conversation here. Thanks so much to USB for sponsoring AgriTalk at Commodity Classic. United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. 
Learn more at unitedanh.com. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Commodity and Agritalk. Thanks to USB, United Soybean Board, for making our coverage possible uh, from Commodity Classic. And and uh, Steve Reinhardt, uh, uh, USB chair, has been kind of a co-host along with me here throughout this morning's show. Uh, but I've got him to my all to myself here in this final segment. Steve, uh, a couple of things. Tell me about your operation. Tell me about how you came to be interested in leadership at USB. Sure. So I, we farm uh, soybeans, corn, malting barley, a little bit of hay, uh, north central Ohio. So about an hour north of Columbus, an hour south of the lake, uh, Erie. And mm-hmm. uh, so have always been involved in, in agriculture, you know, growing up in uh, FFA. I taught ag classes for 10 years. Uh, when I served in the Ohio House, I mean, we, we drove the ethanol issue home and, and tried to get, uh, got those plants, you know, up and running and uh, so it just always been involved in ag and, and, uh, when it, when a spot came up, they, they asked me to, to apply for the Ohio soybean council. And that's just been a great, uh, uh, process going, you know, through that, uh, evolution. And, and, uh, we've got some, uh, air, the arable research lab now, uh, with the Ohio soybean council, we're able to take soybean oil projects and look at the first concept of, uh, you know, whether or not this idea is going to work. And if it does, we, we continue the exploration. And if it doesn't, we're, we're done and we move on and, and learn from it. Uh, then, you know, gone to USB, uh, just the, uh, all the different, uh, aspects of everything we're involved in, you know, 77 farmer, uh, volunteer farmer leaders and, um, served as a demand committee chair, work group lead, uh, treasurer, vice chair and, and then, uh, this year I have the privilege of being, uh, the, the chairman of the United Soybean yeah. board. To stay on the path, there's got to be rewards along the way, okay? And I'm not talking about financial rewards. That that only gets you so far. It it's the the sense of accomplishment in in that that keeps you coming back and doing things, right? Yeah, it's a it's been a great thing. I mean, like I said, we're we're 77 voluntary yeah board members, and and uh, to be be able to go in and and look at the the projects that we can invest in, and and then see those projects come to. Could, to fruition and, and return those dollars back. You know, we're uh, our the only thing we have to do by USDA is an ROI study, and our last ROI study showed, uh, you know, for every dollar we're investing, we're bringing twelve dollars and thirty four cents back to the farmer. So that's a composite score. We know some things are higher, some things are lower, but uh, we look at export markets. Uh, Seventeen dollars and ninety five cents for those exports that. When we develop those new markets, we talked earlier today about Sub-Saharan Africa and those yeah. developing nations, and uh, then we look at all the new uses we have. Uh, Seventeen dollars and nine or eighteen dollars and eighteen cents that that returns back to the soybean farmers. Uh, so we talk about we talked about the firefighting foam. Yeah, uh, we talk about the biofuel use uh, and and increasing that use. Uh, in the last two years, we've increased it by thirty six percent. Just. Uh, the infrastructure things we're doing by being able to dredge the, helping to, to do the study to dredge the lower Mississippi, where we talked about the it's P&W. A huge project down there. Um, you know, all that stuff is adding value back to the, the uh, U.S. soybean farmers. Right, right. Absolutely. 
You know, and when I think about USB, the first thing that I think about is is the export market. That's just where my mind goes. But you've got to stay focused on the domestic market as well. Yep. Uh, we know that animal agriculture is our, our uh, best customers uh, and our biggest customers when it comes yeah. to meal. And and uh, we want to encourage, we know we have a great amino acid content and we know that we've done studies when you feed poultry and, and pork with uh Soybean oil, or I'm sorry, soybean meal, it uh, creates uh, more energy for the animal. The animals are healthier, especially at a younger age. And uh, that's another issue that we want to continue to to push and see if we can continue to develop those uh, uh, industries around the, the country. And and uh, we know that the world wants to eat more, uh, uh, you know, animal protein. And, and that's just uh, as our economies continue to grow. We are in Colombia, uh, the third largest uh, importer of U.S. soybean meal. Uh, for their livestock industry, but the whole time we were there, we were with USMEF, the United uh, States uh, Meat yeah. Export Federation, and we're eating American pork and mm. and beef while we're there. Yeah, it's so. very cool. It's very cool. Hey, so when I think about the future of the of the soy industry here in the U.S., there's some really smart people that have been on AgriTalk over the past couple of years that have said that what is coming to the soy industry and through SAF. And through renewable diesel is going to be the most disruptive event in the soybean market's history, potentially. That's exciting and scary all at the same time, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, we're talking about a transition here. I mean, meal's yeah. always been the driver of soybean crush. And uh, now we're seeing oil come into uh, being just as much a driver, if, if not more than meal. And and the nice thing is when we use that uh, soybean oil for an industrial use, uh, a human uh, uh, use, whether it be frying, uh, cooking oil, uh, which is really what a lot of it's still used yeah. for. Uh, you know, it's just uh, we still we have a great quality, high high quality meal there, and and that's what we uh, continue to look at and how we can drive those uh, uses for that product and and just uh, you know keep yeah. that animal ag, especially the animal ag industry, moving. Yeah, that's one thing that we need consumers to keep in mind is when it comes to soybean oil and the food versus fuel, we can use it for food first. Oh, yeah, we can use it for food first. And that's where our, our uh, you know, priorities are. And, yeah. But, uh, you know, now we can talk about food and fuel and yeah. even fiber and, and so on down the line. So it's not just uh It's an exciting concept for us going forward, isn't it? Oh, it is. I, I think this is a great time to be in the soybean uh, uh, industry. I mean, we've, we've been able to ramp up uh, production and, and we have a little bit of a glitch in uh, some pricing right now, but I think that'll straighten out here over time. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just, uh, a, you know, a great opportunity. We look at uh, our board meeting last week. We have uh, infrastructure, connectivity, health and nutrition, uh, innovation, technology. I mean, just all the projects that are coming down the line are really, I think, exciting. And, and it's going to be good for the U.S. soybean farmer. Yep. Yep. That's one thing about a commodity market when you run short of supply everybody knows it and everybody knows it now when it comes to building demand it's a realization market and like you said the pricing on soybean oil in particular that'll get straightened out it just might take a little time this was a wonderful conversation steve thank uh, you so much been great to have you here and glad we could invite our friends in our partners and yeah uh you know work on providing that soy solution to every life every day you bet we're going to be right back here at usb tomorrow morning as well from commodity classic so i'm looking forward to that come back this afternoon we are going to be at maristam talking markets with brian doherty and rich Nelson.